Those sort of short-term promotional type memberships, they might drive sales for a very brief period, but they're not very good at retaining members. In fact, if you sell a three-month membership, you can almost guarantee that person will leave at three months. You're listening to The Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online and face-to-face courses, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, with up to a massive 40% discount for members of Australian Fitness Network. In this episode, The Retention Guru, Dr. Paul Bedford, talks surprising findings from the Australian Fitness Industry Retention Report, making sense of big data from 900 clubs and how the numbers can reveal the demographic you should be marketing to, with Network's Ryan Hogan. I'm really feeling pretty lucky to be sitting here next to Dr. Paul Bedford from Retention Guru all the way over in the UK. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Good to be here. Yeah, Paul. And, you know, it's uh, it's pretty exciting times for your business and for the Australian industry because, of course, just recently we saw the um, Australian, I'm going to get this wrong, but the Australian Fitness Industry Retention Report, the inaugural one, was yeah. written and published thanks to Life Fitness and Fitness Australia and, of course, the hard work that you've done. And I thought we could spend a few minutes uh, talking about that. So maybe tell us, tell our listeners and tell us a little bit about how do you go about putting together a retention? I mean, where do you start? Okay, well, we've done we've done this, this process several times. So we've learned over the last 12, 15 years how you, how you pull these reports together. But you usually start by asking key figures in an industry within a country, you know, would benchmarking be of use? Would be understanding what's actually going on within the business and the country be of use to that operator? Once you get then some initial buy-in we generally then start sending out letters of introduction and requests for data and we try as much as we can to do that with trade organizations like fitness australia or ursa or uk active in the uk so it's sort of really initial inquiries initial yeah we want to be involved in that from operators then we have to send them a letter saying okay this is the non-disclosure agreement so we won't share your data or data with anyone else And then we tell them what data we need. That's when it starts to get really hard work because Mm. you're asking operators to essentially give you their business information. And we ask for just a limited amount. We never ask for personal details of the members. We're just asking for age, gender. We need a member ID just so that we can identify who the... So there's a unique identifier for each person. But the biggest challenge is actually extracting the data from the membership software systems. Most of the software systems that clubs use to run their businesses were never designed to export the data for research purposes. So we have to give operators time, usually three months, to get their heads around what data we want and how they're going to export it to us. And then they have to send it to us via an electronic transfer so that we can do it all securely. So it starts with that. Wow. That sounds like a sounds like a huge amount of work just to even get the, yeah. the initial data. And so then 
what happens next? So the right. data gets out, you get you you end up with this presumably mountains and mountains of data in different formats. Yes. That you then have to do what with? Well, we, we, we send a template Excel spreadsheet saying this is the data we want and we want it in this format. So a date is a date, not a like a string variable, which is a technical term. And we say this is ideally how we want it. And then some of them send it back exactly as we ask for. Some of them send it back. It has all the right columns, but they're not in the same order that we asked for them. So we have to then rearrange that. Some of them just give us a data dump. They basically extract all the data from their systems and drop it on us as a massive file. And then we have to go through and take out all the things we don't want and then configure that data before we can even start cleaning it. And if you think that this report had 874 clubs in it from multiple operators and single sites, we're opening Excel's files and just basically working through those files going, are the columns the same and are the columns formatted the same before we can even run any cleaning of the data? Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be really nice if it were possible to get operators just to do as we ask. <laughs> I understand that a lot of them, you know, some of them it's not their main role or what their main job. Sure. So they're just like, let's send him everything and then he can sort it out. It out yeah. But it, it, this, this report, we did 41 hours of data configuration wow. before it was ready to clean and then analyze. Wow. And, and so tell me a little bit about the analysis. So let's say okay. the, da- the, data's, the data's out, it's, cl- it's clean, it's yeah. in the format that you need. Yeah. Tell her, I'm sure our listeners would be interested to know. How do you analyze? Is it right. computers? Are you doing yeah. like how does it how does it work? Yeah, we use statistical software called Stata, which is a standard software system used by academics and researchers. It's not like a Windows system, so there aren't drop-down menus. You have to write code for it to run processes. Wow! So you have to be fairly familiar with that to start with. And once we've got this huge data set in a clean file format we start asking questions of the data. So we start looking first at what's called the descriptive statistics. How many people, how many men, how many women, how many clubs, just things that describe what the data contains. Then we'll run what's called the inferential statistics where we're actually measuring things and looking at comparisons. And the main one that we do, which is fairly unique to the fitness industry, is what's called survival analysis. We measure the time between when someone joins their club and when they stop being mm. a member within their club. Yeah. So we measure that in months because it's a fairly standard industry sure. term to measure in months. So we, we use a lot of traditional statistical methods and we'll report attrition in numbers of members. So we don't report ever report attrition as a percentage, which I know our industry likes to do and it's just a waste of time. We report in the per thousand members how many people quit this month, which is a much more technical way of doing it, mm. but it's actually a much more informative way yeah. when you actually understand what's going on. Sure. Now, I've, I've heard you speak on this topic before, but yeah. maybe and just in case our listeners haven't, explain why number of members, right. you know, a bit more concrete, yeah. why number of members versus percentage of members yeah. for you is a more okay. uh, a stronger variable. So I think about the... the a member in or a, a club membership in three phases. There's the join phase, the, the the person actually joining, and that's a date. And I measure that in people. How many people joined this month or joined a club in the last 12 months? I then measure how long they stayed for. So there's a measurement period between joining, and that's usually measured in months. And then there's the quit, which is often what people call the attrition. Now, 
we never measure joiners as a percentage. We never present, oh, we've got 6% join rate this month. We've yeah. got, we joined 120 people. Yeah. At the other end of the process, how many people left? 120 people left. Now, that doesn't mean that the 120 that joined are the 120 that left. So we have to measure the gap between join and leave as a number of months. I also don't think that staff within businesses pay much attention to percentages when you report, oh, we lost 6% of our membership. People just go, oh, okay, smile, shrug it off. Whereas you say, we lost 120 people this month. It's very, very different. So I'll give you an example. In the Australian report, we've got just on a million member records. We're about 2,000 records short of a million members. Ah. <laughs> yeah, disappointing. <laughs> All right. So let's call it a million members. Yeah. In that three-year period, 600,000 of them quit their clubs. Wow. 600,000 people. Now, as I report you 600,000, you said, like you did, you go, wow. Because yeah. I said, we have a million member records and 60% of them yeah. have a quit rate. Yeah. It's like, it, you go, oh, okay, 60%. It's only when you turn it into the actual number that people make any sense of it. Yeah. And the traditional way of measuring it in the industry where you, you do a calculation where how many people joined this month, how many members have you got, how many people quit this month, is actually affected more by how many people joined than how many people quit. Yeah. So you can affect your attrition percentage because of your sales rates. Yeah, of course. Independently of how many people you're losing. So we report it using a very different method, which takes a little while for operators to get their heads around. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So let's let's dive in, you know, if, if possible, a little bit into the Australian report, yeah. you know, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be interested in. What did you find? What were the a few key things what, that you found? I think what was really interesting in this report was we... Each time we run a report, we tend to get lots and lots of rows. If you think of an Excel spreadsheet, lots of rows. In this one, I'm almost a million. But we don't have many columns. And the more columns we've got, the more investigative we can be. In this one, we created a column which identified the type of business. So we had PT businesses, mid-market, budget. So we could look at how they were performing. And we had multiple operators from each of those segments contribute. And it, this time around, it's been very interesting to see that what affects the mid-market in terms of contracts or frequency of payment is not the same thing that's affecting the budget operators. Or an example is usually we would see age as a real indicator of retention. The younger the member is, the faster they quit. The older the member is, the slower they quit. Now... It's always harder to get the older members, so they're a smaller percentage of all the overall membership, but they stay longer. We've seen something completely different in this report that we've never seen before, and it tends to relate to the type of business. So in PT businesses, what we noticed was the people who stay the longest are males over the age of 35, in fact, over the age of 45. They're the ones who stick with PT more than any other type of member. Yet interestingly, when we... Visually, we went and looked up the operators that were con contributing. Nearly all of them were marketing to a young female weight loss market. Wow. Wow, yet, what an insight. Yeah. Which, when you actually then look at the data, is saying, actually, your young female members or clients actually aren't staying that long, mm. which means one of two things. Either you're getting the weight loss and then they're quitting the business anyway, or they're not getting their results or they're just not hanging around in the business. So if I was here in Australia running a business that was a PT business, my target market would be men over the age of 45. Wow. 
So it can be very, very specific about who your market should be. Mm. We saw in terms of payment frequency, you know, charging weekly has no effect on retention. Charging bi-weekly has an effect, but only in the low-cost market. It has no effect in the mid-market or the premium clubs. As ever, we've seen selling three- and six-month memberships, and we've seen this in all the reports we've done around the world. They stay for three months if they buy three months, and then they go. Six months, they stay for six months, then they go. In fact, you'll be better selling one-month agreements that are just on a rolling rolling contract mm. than you would be selling a three-month agreement. You'd actually get more months of membership. So those sort of short-term promotional type memberships, they might drive sales for a very brief period, but they're not very good at retaining members. In fact, if you sell a three-month membership, you can almost guarantee that person will leave at three months. Wow. So it, it helps the businesses from an insight point saying, what type of promotion should we be doing? What type of membership should we be selling? Who should our target market be? And then how much should we charge and how frequently should we charge? Because for me, the only markets in the world that do weekly and bi-weekly are here in Australia and New Zealand. We don't see that collection period anywhere else in the world. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And I did question a couple of operators that I've been talking to about how much they get charged per collection. Hmm. And does collecting more frequently actually end up costing more money than you'd actually get from... You know, I get that if you charge bi-weekly, you get 13 months a year. So you get an extra month of payment. I understand that. But actually, the cost of charging bi-weekly, does that actually give you anything in terms of retention? And often it's not. It doesn't. So it might be work for the sales end of the process, but it doesn't work for the retention end of the process. Interesting. I didn't I didn't realize about the billing. I certainly yeah. had some experience in North America, and I know yeah. it's very much a monthly, yeah. you know, every every 30 days or yeah. whatever, or yeah. four weekly or whatever, yeah. but wasn't aware of the rest of the world. Yeah. And any, any other kind of key learnings from the Australian report? Um, I think it's to, the, the, there's one thing that really jumps out. If you look at women's only fitness, the operators who are working in that market are having a much lower retention. So people are staying a shorter period of time and their attrition rate is much, much higher, almost double that of the mid-market. So if you take out women who train in mid-market type clubs and compare them to women who train in women-only type clubs, the cancellation rate is half that in the mid-market than it is in the women's only. Wow. Now, what we can't tell from the data is... What are the types of women that join in women's only? Are they more needy to start with or more need more support? Hence, they join a women's only club and would never, ever go to mid-market. So, you know, that is a club that's attractive. Or is there something fundamentally about the way those businesses are being run that isn't holding on to those women for longer periods of time? Wow. So if something it, for the next report. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, and again, that would usually that we would normally, if we can, where we can do follow ups, where we do, you know, this is very much what's called a quantitative, where it's data, facts, numbers. We'd really usually we like to follow up with what we do a qualitative report, where we then start to interview usually about a thousand members from various markets to identify what's driving some of these behaviours. Wow, cool. Yeah. Well, so we look forward to more data. And um, and just you know we, we already kind of touched on Australia versus the rest of the world, yeah. but what what where, where do we benchmark? Where do we sit compared to say the UK or the okay. US or wherever you've done reports? Right. Well, it's difficult to say exactly because sure. the the data sets are different. But if you look at the curve, 
for retention. The curve we had in the UK between 2000 and 2012 and 2016, I think it was, is exactly the same as the Australian one, almost to the numbers. So 52% of members make it through to the end of first 12 month, their first 12 months with one operator. That's the same in the UK. It's the same here. In America, it's 68% make it through to the end of their first 12 months with one operator. So the US seem to be much better at holding on to their members. But what we did notice when we did the US data is the big operators, the multi-site chains, are much more likely to be selling 12-month contracts than month by month by month. And we've always seen people who, even if you let them out of their contract, somebody who signs up for a 12-month contract always stays longer than somebody who, stays, who signs up for a one-month contract. So the US seems to be doing better than anyone. We did a report for New Zealand, a much smaller report a few years ago, and they were looking at something like 44% making it through to the first 12 months. Now, I know when I visited New Zealand and was looking at the market, it is a, it's very price-driven and it seems everybody's gone to month-by-month -month contracting. So while the quality of the clubs is quite high, actually holding on to members seems to be a bigger challenge in New Zealand than in any other country in the world. And in fact, I know, you know three years here, about 12% of members have only stayed with their club, whereas in New Zealand, none of them made it through to the end of three years. None? None. Statistically. In the study, in wow. the study that we had. So... I think the competition there is much fiercer. Mm. I think the competition here in Australia is is getting tougher. And what I'm noticing, it's becoming more difficult to distinguish between operator offers. You know, what are, you know, everybody seems to be 24 hour. Everybody seems to be going month by month. So actually, the way the businesses are positioning themselves, actually, there's very little to distinguish themselves. As soon as we go to month by month, we reduce retention. We might increase sales, but we always reduce retention. And so I think the US have held on to, they've not been impacted as much as the rest of the world by the low cost or budget market. They seem to have held their, market, their position. I think the other thing I notice here in Australia is there isn't actually a huge financial gap between low cost and premium. It's quite compressed. In the UK, you can get a low-cost membership for £17 a month. Wow. A premium club would cost you £90 a month. So the spread is quite wide. Here, that's much, much closer together. Mm. So those, those are the sort of things I notice mm. travelling around the world. I think also what I notice here in Australia is the size of clubs tends to be smaller than some of the European or American clubs. So where I'm used to looking at a single club having... Three and a half thousand to five and a half thousand members. Here I'm looking at a lot of clubs that have one and a half thousand to two and a half thousand. And the really big clubs just don't exist on the same scale as they do in Europe or, or North America. Mm, yeah. Not, not a lot of pools here either no. and that sort of stuff or racket clubs, which yeah. you get a lot in the UK and yeah. the US. Yeah. Cool. And um, what about any advice you'd want to give our listeners? You know, who are obviously, if they're listening to this, they're interested yeah. in retention or they're, yeah. they're business owners. What, what would be two or three things that you would say well, that they should be looking at? I always talk about, and it's, I call it retention VIP because it's easier to remember. The first thing you have to do if you want to improve retention in your business is drive visits. Because if people don't visit, you have very little opportunity to do anything to it to support them. So visits becomes really important. Now for retention... They need to visit at least once per week. 
So if you want to retain them, they must be visiting once per week. That isn't, I know that isn't enough to actually get physical changes to the body, it isn't enough training. But actually, if someone comes once per week, they're more likely to stay. As soon as it drops below once per week, they're more likely to quit. So visits is the first thing any operator should be looking to do, get it up to at least one visit per week. The I is then interact, talk to people. If they're there, you can speak to them. If you interact with them, it increases the likelihood of them making a second visit, a third visit, a fourth visit. And we've shown that interactions can improve retention by as much as 80% in a club. So if you've got staff, maximize the opportunity for them to interact. The third element is programming. Make sure the exercise programming you're offering actually fits what the client wants. Too often, we see feedback from members saying, well, I came in saying I wanted this, and what I got taught was what the PT or the instructor wanted to teach me, not what I was asking for. So while things might be flavor of the month, HIIT training is you know really popular at the moment, that is probably inappropriate for a new exerciser first coming into a club. That's something for more of our experienced exercisers. So drive visits, visits drive interactions, interactions drive visits, it's a circle, and you keep that loop going. Then you just need to make sure the programming works. Those are the three areas that I always say to operators, you must, must focus on if you want to improve retention. And we know that human interaction, like I said, can improve it by about 80%, whereas digital interaction, sending emails, SMS, somewhere between 3 and 5% difference. Well, if, you, if you've got no other way, then you use that. But if you've got anyone that can talk to people as they come into your club, they must be spoken to. Wow. That's great advice. Now, where can our listeners find you? Where, where, okay. where are you on the interwebs and, and live and various spaces? I, lo- I love it because I just say to people, if you could Google me, which sounds, <laughs> which sounds really pompous. The business is called Retention Guru. And it simply is our, our website is retentionguru.com. So it's simple. Also, if you did Google Dr. Paul Bedford, the website would come up. Now, we present information and contact details via the website. Obviously, I'm presenting and traveling all the time. And so if you come to an event, you can often pick up a card or I'll sit and chat to you. But if people want to get in touch, they can email me at paul at retentionguru.co.uk. So if they've got any questions, please give me a bit of time to get back to you because, you know, I've just spent 26 hours on a plane getting here. I left on a Monday, arrived on a Wednesday. What happened to Tuesday? (laughs) Yeah, where did Tuesday? Tuesday was two hours in Dubai. So, yeah, I'm more than happy to answer people's questions. It's difficult for me to give you specifics about your own business because if I don't have the data, but I'm more than happy to share information. I've also got videos up on YouTube and we've got a, a library of over 300 videos on the topic that sometimes I, I just say, watch this video, it'll answer all your questions. So that would be the easiest, either paul at retentionguru.co.uk or just go to the retentionguru.com website and pick up the details there. Great. And where can our listeners find the Australian Retention Report? The, initially, I think the, the report is available through Life Fitness. I'm sure it'll also be available through um, Fitness Australia. At this time, if you were to, if you couldn't find it, email me and I'll send you the link. So the report's been printed. It's available as a hard copy. It will also be available as a digital copy as well. Look, Paul, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having, coming Cheers, along. Ryan. And we've had, I've had a good little chat. I've learned a few things myself. I hope the listeners do as well. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Cheers, mate. To grow the success of your fitness business, 
Become an Elite Club member with Australian Fitness Network. Elite Club membership provides you with all the benefits of network membership, as well as a host of management and marketing resources from Active Management, including two one-on-one half-hour coaching sessions, marketing templates, and live Q&A sessions and roundtables. Join Network today at fitnessnetwork.com.au forward slash membership and put your club ahead of the competition.